and welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, Spooky Uncle John. With me, as always, is my co-host and producer, Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And our techno mage, Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. We have got a really fun show for you today. I'm uh, excited. Yes, yeah, so am yeah. I. This is a, a nice topic for me. But before we do that, I, I have an announcement to make for you guys. I bought some real estate. Ooh. Oh no! Oh, How? Yeah. I right, <laughs> right. I actually just put a, a small down payment on it because it was an opportunity that I needed to get, that I had to get. Uh, I didn't want it to to go to anybody else, so I'm like, yes, I will do this. Okay. Yes, I have decided that I didn't want to live with my parents for time and all eternity. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have been looking after my parents. It's not like one of those things where he's like, get out of the basement, nerd. No, it's not one of those things. I mean, I had to look after my parents. They were elderly. Dad had dementia, mm -hmm. palliative, blah, blah, blah. Just better to be with them. But I don't want to live with them for time and all eternity. So three years ago, my dad passed away, right. as we know, during the pandemic. Not from the pandemic, but from his cancer. And so we were looking into their plots. And um, apparently at the end of... The plots, there's a place where you can put an urn for cremation and mm -hmm. all that right. kind of stuff. So didn't need my own plot. But I discovered that the plot next to my parents was available, so I bought the bachelor pad next to my parents. Woo! Yes. So you, my younger friends, will know where to put my corpse. Nice. Yay! <laughs> so because somebody's gonna have to look after that. That that is that is a true way to start the show. I don't have children. It is a spooky Uncle John way yeah. to yeah. I am pleased about this. I am so happy that I have this um plot next to my parents because you know I didn't know what I was gonna do. Yeah. Not well, having children, you know. Feel, it's I like Yeah, I mean I didn't know what I was gonna do with, with that. So it's like uh it's nice to sort of get your affairs in order as you start to, I don't want to say age, because I, apparently there is a portrait in the attic that is aging for me, because <laughs> my, my mother's personal support worker, she's like, I overheard her saying to my mother, oh my God, I thought he was in his 30s. <laughs> so, you know. Oh, the, the beard helps. The beard does, yes, I have, I have accidentally grown a beard. <laughs> Now, it's funny. People say, how do you accidentally grow a beard? Well, yeah, like, what did you do? Did you trip and fall on facial hair? Yes. That's what, I had glue on my face and I fell into a pile of, of tar and of feathers. Fur. Oh, tar okay. and feathers. Yes. Oh, no. no, this is how you accidentally grow a, a, a beard. You just get so busy that you just like you do like the, the quick shower out the door, quick shower out the door. And I just got so busy that I'm like, oh, look, I've grown a beard. Because you just didn't have time to or forgot to shave. Yeah, I can relate to that. So I have accidentally grown a beard, uh, which came in useful for Halloween. Not going to lie about that. And doing uh, the British pantomime that I'm doing, playing Fatherhood, Little Red Riding Hood is the panto that I'm doing. Uh, it kind of comes in handy. There so, you go. But I'm telling you, when that play is done, it's coming off. Like Everyone keeps saying, you look great with a beard. Don't get used to it. Don't get, I, I know there, you always have a beard and I mean no disrespect to, to you or any of our bearded brethren. I hate having a beard. There, there, there is a certain level of upkeep yeah. required and yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm very, very kind of tactile in a way that I don't like feeling the food in the beard as I eat. And, for me, for me. Yeah. It was getting used to laying on a pillow. What? Seriously, it, like when I first started growing a beard, like getting used to laying my head on a pillow, it felt odd. I got used to it, but it just felt odd against my face with the with the facial hair between my face and the pillow. I have so yeah. many questions that I've never thought of before. Yeah, I I didn't experience that, but I mean, like I I find I'm I'm constantly sort of stroking my beard, and it's it's very coarse. You know, and it's kind of... Well, that's where the upkeep comes in. It doesn't really itch, but I mean, like, I, I don't want to spend money on beard oil and beard bombs and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just, I don't have it for one thing. And the fact of the matter is I got to trim it practically daily anyway. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, because I don't like the, the scraggly hairs sticking out and all that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, don't get used to the, the beard. Uh, having said that, it is time for Nick's Pop Culture Roundup. 
And before we get into that, just a quick reminder on how you can get a hold of us. You can find us on TikTok, X, Threads, and Instagram at the Area51H. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube uh, by searching for Area51 and a half. And of course, don't forget to check out our Patreon. So first things first, the strike is over. Yay! We hope, we hope everyone is receiving everything that they deserve and all that stuff. With all that, a bunch of new movie news. Yeah. yeah. I, for one, have been enjoying the behind-the-scenes photos and videos. Yes. That all not of been able to see. All of the stuff that they couldn't share on social media oh, yeah. is now flooding out, which is just wonderful. But I'll tell you, the one good thing that came out of the strike was Ryan Reynolds' sarcasm, where he was talking about, he was looking forward to following his daughter, who was trick-or-treating as Barbie yelling scab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, first things first, we got a trailer for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Now, this, the first thing I thought when I saw this trailer was, oh my god, this is going to be set up like an episode of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. And one of the actors, uh, Kamel Nanjani, who's in it, which is cool because I love him, um, he actually said that it is inspired by the real Ghostbusters, so I'm... I'm excited for that because I grew up on that. Like, legit, that was my Saturday morning cartoon game. Right. So that'll be interesting for me. Um, it's good to see that the, the original Ghostbusters are going to have a bigger role in this one. And it looks enjoyable, at the very least. It looks like it'll be a fun summer popcorn flick. Uh, I, Spring I, popcorn flick. You have kind of blinders when it comes to Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I didn't have the same reaction as you did. I looked at the trailer and I went, this looks so bloody stupid, I can't even imagine. Um, I, I did enjoy the real Ghostbusters cartoon. I thought it yeah. was a very enjoyable cartoon in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but I, it's always that lament that I'm getting on about on our pop podcast. Give me something new. Fair. Afterlife was not that great, I didn't think. I mean... It took us forever to get the, the old gang in there, for yeah. one thing. It plodded along. The highlight of it really was uh, Paul Rudd. Yes. You know? Uh, so it's, it's good to see that he's back in this. But I'm. it didn't do anything to excite me. And I don't feel like there's been a good Ghostbusters movie since the original. Even Ghostbusters 2, it was great. It was a nice follow-up. It's become pop culture iconography. But it's still not as strong as that original movie. One thing I will say about the trailer for Frozen Empire is I do feel like they've got too many characters going on. And too many I, big characters. I think it's a dumbass title, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it to me, if it, it almost feels like I when I saw it and the, I guess, the big baddie, whoever that is, looked all frozen, immediately I'm hearing the... The Snow Miser's song in my head. It just, to me, looks silly. And that's okay from a comedy, but I don't know. I, I Maybe I'll wind up loving it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But we'll just make a date right now. We'll all go see it. Yes. Nintendo has announced a live-action Legend of Zelda film, which that is tantalizing all on its own. Is Tom Holland playing every character? I hope so. Honestly, okay. Honestly, let, let's talk about this because there's no cast announced yet. Hunter Schaefer has mentioned uh, from Euphoria has mentioned she would love to play Zelda, but when I think about Link, a live action Link, Tom Holland's the first person that comes to mind. So I'm hoping so. But then again, then again, Tom Holland has become kind of the de facto elf in my head because when I read the Dritz novels, it's Tom Holland that I imagine as Dritz. I know you're. I know, I know, but that's just me. So Tom Holland is your de facto elf. I, yes. <laughs> I would really enjoy seeing a uh, like a non-binary actor playing Link because Link has kind of been genderless. Well, and that's kind of the thing. Like, I, I would be okay with Hunter Schaefer playing Link, uh, Link because Hunter Schaefer's trans. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, the, the, yeah, Link is canonically a boy, but... He's always been a little androgynous, but whatever. This is the point in the podcast where the elder generation goes, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just going to be quiet. 
Hey, listen, you can say older generation you want, but Robin Williams loved that stuff. He named his daughter after Zelda, okay? Listen, and he, I, he was older than you. I, I played the game. I played the game, but I'm not like you guys are just like, whoa, all into it. Like, you know the facts, you know the figures. I played this thing on Game Boy, and then I I've then actually, I had a girlfriend. And <laughs> I've actually never played Zelda. <laughs> you have lost but a little credibility. That's, that's fine. I accept that. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to say this. Benedict Cumberbatch for Ganondorf. Mm. He's the main villain. Mm. That was directed at John, by the way. I think I think it would be a good choice. As long as it looks really pretty, that's what matters. Yeah, okay. Listen, and, yeah, and you, you are absolutely correct, Ren. The end of the day, make a good movie. Make it look really pretty and yeah. have Navi being annoying as... And put some oh. budget behind it. Put some budget behind it. As much as we kind of liked Dungeons & Dragons, you could see that it suffered from certain production value budget. Um, put some I budget mean, behind it. With the amount of money they made off... If they funneled up some, at least a chunk of the money that they made off of the Super Mario Brothers movie, yeah. Yeah. they'll have a budget. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. Deadpool 3... Look, me some Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool 3 has been officially reconfirmed Yay! by Ryan Reynolds with the help of Dogpool. So we are getting it. <laughs> we are getting it in 2024. Um, as far as I know, two Marvel movies have been announced for 2024. Confirmed as Deadpool, which is going to be an actual MCU film, and Venom 3. So we've got mm -hmm. those coming. As far uh, as... Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where Marvel's going. I'm a little bored with it. I think everybody is, but... Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to Deadpool because as a true Canadian, Ryan Reynolds can do no wrong. That's true. But and it it's going to be the first R-rated MCU film, <gasps> which will be interesting. We've got Aww. Hugh Jackman. I mean, we've mentioned it before, but we've got Hugh Jackman back. Yes! But the Wolverine. I wanted the funniest part to be the one curse word that was allowed in the movie. And Wolverine takes it from Deadpool. And Deadpool just loses his mind. Listen, as long as they do that thing that people talked about on the internet where you just see Deadpool clicking on a file and moving it over. Into <laughs> <laughs> that, yes. that, that's what I want to oh, see. Yeah. I, did, I just want to see something like that. I've, I enjoyed the Deadpool movies. But I, it's because of Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds does that sarcastic wit better than anybody. There needs to be some multiverse tomfoolery from Ryan oh, Reynolds' no. Deadpool. There Could there be, be some multi-universe Tom Hollandry? Um, can you give me something sharp? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Well, come on now. Let me I'm Deadpool in the comics is always riffing on Spider-Man. Like it would be, it'd be yeah. great. It would be great. I'm Have sure on. there's going to be lots of jokes about Wolverine and Fox or Wolverine with this and that, and he'll have no idea I, what he's talking I about. I am just Deadpool. so looking forward to watching Jackman and Reynolds go at each other. Like I love I'm it. just looking forward to I'm it. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm going opening night. I don't even care. I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It'll be a it like. It'll be a wild movie. It will be absolutely wild. Now explain Dogpool to our listeners who may not know. Dogpool is a internet celebrity dog, a little chihuahua looking thing with his tongue hanging out that dresses up as Deadpool. There you go. And has it been confirmed that Dogpool's going to actually be in the movie? No, it has not, but I would love to see it. I mean, like there's also in the multiverse in the comic there's all sorts of different versions of Deadpool. Yeah, there's, there's different versions of all the characters. Yeah. So I mean we've got uh, we got Throg the, the Froggy Thor, um, Bruce, Bruce Bananers is the uh, is the Hulk, and so Spider Ham Spider Ham of course the so amazing Spider Ham I'll yeah. have you say sorry so it would stand to reason that in fact there would be a um, a dog pool perhaps yeah, of course there would yeah, yeah. Uh, you know you got Gwenpool you've got Zombie Head Deadpool you got Lady Deadpool so why not dog pool it is confirmed he will be in the movie. And there's a joke about the havoc it will cause for Disney Plus merch. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because you know Disney is going to put that little Disney vacuum in your pocket and try to suck every penny it can. <laughs> yep, 
Nick made that sound effect. Yes, he did. It was a bit awkward. I'm sorry. It, it was more than a bit awkward. That I I I feel I feel like I need to shower now. It just I I ran help me. <laughs> so speaking of Marvel, um, I've been off. I, I, I've taken some time off work over the past week, and I've spent a good chunk of that time playing Spider Man Two for the PS Five, and oh my god, this game. Every t- like you were sitting with me playing it, like I am. This game is constantly surprising me with the stuff that you can do in it. And honestly, probably the best game I played in a long time. Easily a ten out of ten game. Beautiful, wonderful graphics, great story, and Tony Todd as the voice of Venom. Wow! Yeah, Candyman himself. Yeah, it is great. It is so awesome. I love Tony Todd's baritone voice. I mean, he first of all, he's a very nice man. Met him uh, Niagara Falls Comic Con. Candyman. He's just a wonderful guy. Um, and you know, back in the days before CGI, those bees coming out of his mouth in Candyman were real bees. Uh, I wonder how many times he actually got stung. I don't know. It'd be something to ask, but I mean, it's like that is your commitment, you know. Yeah. Like that. Talk about committed actors. So I mean, like, yeah, he is like the uh, sort of the unsung upper echelons of the boogeyman, and I, he deserves a lot more credit for than he than he's gotten. Um, but just an iconic, iconic character and actor, and uh, great voice. Just yeah. One of those really rich voices like James Earl Jones has, yeah. you know. Plays, plays a great Klingon, too. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It, it's, it's kind of funny how you have those actors like um, like Tony Todd, like Jeffrey Combs, who are incredibly well-known in the horror community uh, for their roles, but also incredibly well-known in Star Trek for their roles as well. It's, just, it's kind of neat seeing that kind of intersect, you know. So along with the MCU news... Started watching Loki. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, let's go back in time to when the Avengers started, the whole <clears throat> MCU craze as we know it now. Tom Hiddleston actually had auditioned for the role of Thor. Yeah, right. Cannot see that for the life of me. Have you seen the video of it? I have seen the video oh, of man, it. Oh, no. And I'm just like, this was a wise choice <laughs> casting Chris Hemsworth. But a wiser choice taking Hiddleston and saying, you know what, you're a you're a, a, a dumpster fire of a Thor, but you would make a great Loki. It, it does happen, though. Like, yeah. uh, just thinking back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia, the mean girl, had actually auditioned for Buffy. Mm-hmm. But Joss Whedon was like, okay, you're not going to work as Buffy, but we got another role we think yeah. will work. Yeah. And, and sometimes that does happen for the better. Um I, I I have to say, um, the acting is good. I mean, Owen Wilson's uh, always good, and yeah. uh, you know Tom Hiddleston's good. And this season, they've added Ki Hu Kwan, recent Academy Award winner for yep. um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Short round, as we all know him from the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. He's my new favorite character. I love watching him. Play. I, I think he's the best thing about season two so far, uh, playing Obi, uh, this techno guy that is helping them. The techno mage. And it's, the, uh... it's really interesting, too, because it's, it is tying into that uh, everything everywhere all at once kind of yeah. uh, well, thing. Yeah, the whole multiverse thing. Yeah, right? but I have to say I am so tired of the multiverse timeline uh, storyline. I'm just, I'm over it. I... I'm not I'm I'm watching it. I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's particularly exceptional. This is my thing. I was sitting there watching this. I I'm I I pieced out halfway through the second episode because I'm like is this actually bad or am I just tired of it? Cuz I was super excited for Loki season 2. You're tired of it. I yeah. can honestly say you're tired of it because here's the thing. When I start analyzing the acting and I start analyzing the, the the production values of it, I I think we're just tired of this storyline. It it's a storyline that got old real fast. Yeah. It uh it doesn't have that same je ne sais quoi of building up to 
Thanos appearing. Yeah. You know, it just, it's a, a storyline that because it's into Disney Plus and their TV series and the movies and wherever else, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I can't follow it easily because I I don't want to follow all of the shows necessarily. Yeah. Whereas when WandaVision came out, it came out at the right time because it's like, we can't go out of our homes. Yeah. So that was brilliant uh, in 2020 when we were all in lockdown mm -hmm. to have these kind of shows on Disney plus and to make these things. So we were like, okay, we're in the, the dessert phase of the Marvel and Marvel storyline, the MCU. But because we got back into theaters and we were given phase four, as you and I have called it. Mm -hmm. I think people have just pieced out on the Marvel brand. I think so too. You know, because um, um, I, I, I'm not sure of this. The Marvels hasn't done well at the box office. I haven't looked no. at the box office yet. No. Yeah. So here, here's the thing. Um, Jim Cornette has a saying, how can we miss you if you don't go away? Yeah. And typically that's, you know, a wrestler going to another territory or someone getting injured or whatever. Right. right. In the case of, of the MCU, maybe we need some time either away from the characters that we're used to seeing or just some time away from a period. Yeah. Because what was special about it no longer is. Right. And now it's oversaturated because, hey, Disney, and it is all over the place. And I just... I'm not digging it anymore. Not the way that I used to. Yeah. Well, speaking of Disney and things that have not gone away in our cultural zeitgeist, that brings us to our main topic. And it is a cute one. It is an adorable one. It is one that I personally like, that I know you guys like, that I know our audience is going to like. If you had told me when we started this podcast that we would dedicate an episode to this topic, I would have looked at you funny. And yet it just is that spark of genius for us. Yes, folks, we are talking about the one, the only legendary Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh. Pooh. So, I mean, what is more iconic than Winnie the Pooh? I mean, honestly, he's really a, a huge property, mostly thanks to Disney, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I know that a lot of people probably don't realize that Winnie the Pooh was an actual bear. Yeah. Like a real live bear and Canadian. Yeah. Hello. So I've got that history and I want people to understand the history of Winnie the Pooh and then how he became this huge cultural phenomenon. Now, the first thing that we have to understand is that Winnie the Pooh was not a boy. The actual Winnie, as... It was known before he was known as Winnie the Pooh, was a bear called Winnie. It's a female bear cub. Female hmm. bear cub. Um, Winnie was purchased in White River, Ontario by a soldier right. named Harry Colburn. Uh, this is going back into World War I. So, I mean, we've just had Remembrance Day here in Canada and Veterans Day in the States. So, it's completely appropriate that we're talking about this right now, where... Harry saw this bear cub for sale at this train station in White River, Ontario, paid $20 for her, which is like the equivalent of $450 now in today's money. So, I mean, not that we're, you know, condoning the trafficking of animals, but um, Harry was not only a soldier, but he was also a veterinarian. So he just, mm -hmm. you know, purchased this bear and uh, took the bear with it. So he named the bear Winnipeg. Winnie for short, because right. he was from Winnipeg, right? So yep. that's that's how we get the name Winnie. Um, Winnie became, quickly became the mascot for his troop. And when he went overseas, like when he went everywhere with them, right? He was on the ship, the whole thing. Um, and when he went overseas with the Canadian Infantry Brigade, Winnie goes along with him and becomes the mascot for his troop. Winnie was so tame, you know, at this point that, um, she was just beloved by everybody. Yeah. You know, so when he is ready to ship out and actually go to war, he now has this problem. He's in London, England. Mm -hmm. He can't take Winnie with him 
what's he going to do? As a veterinarian, of course, he wants to make sure that Winnie is well taken care yeah, of. Of course. So he loans her to the London Zoo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Winnie became this huge attraction. I don't even know what the equivalent is, but people flocked to the London Zoo to see Winnie, partially because she was so tame that they could actually interact with her. You know, the children could feed her, they could ride her back, they could... Oh, you know, oh yeah. Uh, well, think about the size of a black bear oh, versus black, the side yeah. of, a, of a child, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they could ride around on her, they could feed her, they could interact with her, and she was just this gentle creature. I don't know if they have black bears in England either. So no. that would be another thing. No, I mean, well, exactly. You know, it's like, hey, listen, come see the Canadian bear named Winnie. Yeah. And, but it was just this huge, huge attraction. And everybody just loved her. They wanted to see her. It was, like, good for the, the zoo. So mm-hmm. uh, Harry Colburn comes home, realizes that Winnie's probably better off in the zoo. She becomes a permanent attraction there for the zoo-goers. One of the people that became enchanted with Winnie is a little boy by the name of Christopher Robin. Ah. Christopher Robin is the son of A.A. Milne, who wrote stories about Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. So Christopher Robin was enchanted with Winnie, has a stuffed bear, probably purchased at the zoo, can't say for sure, names it Winnie the Pooh. Named after Winnie the Bear mm-hmm. and a black swan that was the pet of a friend of his that was called Pooh. Oh! So he just names the, his teddy bear Winnie the Pooh. And A.M. Milne's this thing goes, I'm gonna write some stories about the Hundred Acre Woods. Mm-hmm. And we get it all. And so you can actually go, I think there's a display somewhere in England where you can go and see the actual yes. toys. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like, these are all like stuff, they're all yeah. stuffies, right? So you can see the stuffy Eeyore, you can see the stuffy Tigger, you can see the stuffy Piglet, and like, so, so, yeah. yeah, because those were the big toys back in that era. Like, you know, there were no video games, there were no, I don't even know if there were a whole lot of board games outside of chess checkers and Parcheesi, maybe. They had know? a lot of card games, yeah. and there yeah. was the beginning of board games. Yeah, around and that like those time, metal but... toys that you, you get to. Te- Oh, tonight is from. Oh, yeah, those are huge. Tetanus, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get your tetanus shot for Christmas, kids. Yay! Um, but anyway, so the, so then we sort of fast forward. These stories sort of become beloved. I don't know when Disney started getting a penchant for British stories, but I don't know that Winnie the Pooh would have continued on into our cultural zeitgeist had it not been for Walt Disney. Probably. And the cartoons. I think, if anything, Winnie the Pooh would have kind of gone with, like, the just-so stories, where it's kind of one of those, some people know of them, and they know, you know, the, like, how the elephant got its trunk and stuff, but they don't know the actual story. Mm-hmm. And and the, the great thing, too, is that if you want to find it, there is a movie that the CBC made mm-hmm. about the, the actual history the, with uh, Harry Colburn and everything. Yeah. And it's called A Bear Named Winnie or something like that. Yeah. So you can look that up if you want to try and see that movie. But, I mean, we see this sort of catapulting, not only in the animation, but I think Winnie the Pooh, in di- terms of Disney, has almost become, in a way, bigger than Mickey Mouse because you have, first of all, the original cartoon, right? But then you have spin-off movies, oh, right? Yeah. There was mm-hmm. the... Uh, they did a, a sequel to that original cartoon. They did the Tigger movie. Um, then there was a TV series or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Well, there were several movies, like something about Heffalumps and all sorts yeah. of other things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you got to watch out for the Heffalumps. I, I I don't know if I if I can agree that he's bigger than Mickey Mouse, but he's definitely synonymous with Disney. Yeah. The same way that Mickey Mouse is. Um, probably to the same level that Mickey Mouse is, because when I think of... Disney cartoons, like their characters, obviously Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, all that stuff. But then, then of yeah, course, but, Winnie the Pooh. Mickey Mouse is more their mascot, and Mickey built it, and that's why he's there. But Mickey has never had a big screen movie. That's true. It's all always been shorts. Yeah, animated shorts, right? So, 
I don't know why Disney never made a Mickey Mouse big screen movie. That's kind of weird, don't you think? But anyway, we're talking about Winnie the Pooh, that uh, snappy dresser who wears no pants. Yeah. That's, the, a, that's uh, the, also a trend in Disney. The, 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 uh, the most famous pantless party goer. <laughs> <laughs> Next to Donald Duck. Yep. Who, yeah. But I mean, it's it's just, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been touched by Winnie the Pooh. And funny, funny antidote here. When I was in my 20s and I had my group of friends that I was hanging out with, and no shade, guys, don't come for me. I, I appreciated what you guys did for me. I honestly did. But I mentioned that I loved Winnie the Pooh. Now, back in the 90s, you could get character ties and clothes oh, yeah. with mm -hmm. the characters on them, right? So I bought, I still have it. I bought this jean shirt that had Winnie the Pooh on it, you know, a little emblem. Uh -huh. I bought ties that had Winnie the Pooh on it because I loved Winnie the Pooh. I thought it was great. Well, my friends said, oh, John loves Winnie the Pooh. Let's give him a bunch of Winnie the Pooh crap for his <laughs> birthday for Christmas items. I got all kinds of things that I just kind of went, wow, you guys are now making me hate Winnie the Pooh. You know, because like this was just stuff that was like, this is appropriate for children, not for me. Like, I, I, I'm not that kind of a person. Like, you are a massive collector. Mm -hmm. I am not that person that wants all of the things surrounding me. You know, like, I, I just, I, I'm very judicious in the things that I choose you know, to, to have. So when they started getting married and having children, I'm like, here is it all back. <laughs> I get, now the, the Winnie the Pooh body pillow came in handy. I will give you that. But I mean, I finally had sort of lost my poo, if you will, when one of my friends gave me this little pewter pin. And I was like, that's something you give a little girl, dude. Like, <laughs> it's not something you give to a full grown adult. Now, Friends of the era, I appreciate it. It was thoughtful. It was lovely. But man. <laughs> so, but th there's a thing though. Like, when you look, again, it's Disney. So they are going to oversaturate the crap out of, sorry, oversaturate the poo out of something <laughs> um, until they make all of the money. And that's the thing. Like, looking back at the 90s, there was Winnie the Pooh, everything. Yeah, the clothes, stuffed toys, cookie jars. The yeah, because it said honey on it. Because the it. second movie came out in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, it was. It, it's pretty, and of course, the, yeah, the cartoons and whatnot. But like the merchandise was everywhere. Yeah, and everywhere. But, but it wasn't just that. I mean, there was the books, right? Like the Tao of Pooh, and there was like all this sort of Pooh philosophies and mm. things that you can learn from from reading Winnie the Pooh. I think I have some of those books, even you know, and quotes from Winnie the Pooh and you know what I love about Winnie the Pooh is that you learn how to manage life through those characters mm -hmm. Winnie the Pooh never gets upset by anything what's he what's he do he gets stuck in a tree and he goes oh bother yeah <laughs> oh bother my fat ass is stuck in this tree what am I gonna do I'm gonna continue to eat the honey that's what I'm gonna do my friends will come along and they'll yoink me out of here <laughs> Which they do. Yep. And you see all those different personalities from curiosity to being timid to being um, depressed, you know. And they just sit there and go, oh, Eeyore's depressed. Let's include him anyway. One, one, one of my favorite things is Eeyore is voiced by Peter Cullen. <laughs> also voice Optimus Prime. That just kills me. I, I, what, what always kills me is you will find a way to slip Peter Cullen into every conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. The mustache man must never be forgotten. <laughs> Who is your favorite Winnie the Pooh character? Oh, Eeyore. Honestly, yeah. I've always loved Eeyore. I think, I think he's so droll and just his depressed remarks and... It just comes off as a bit sarcastic. Sometimes. I know. It, it, well, it, it does because it's, it's almost like he, he sits there and he'll say things like, um, I'll, I'll make something up. It's like, yeah, I'm not available on Friday, but maybe I'm available on Saturday. Not that anyone cares. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just love his reaction. You know, or something like that. <laughs> And then you got Piglet on the other, and he's like, well, I, 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 I. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rabbit is just like, I hate all of you. 
Every single one of you, I hate you. But you know what? That's okay. I'm just a nasty, crotchety rabbit, and y'all, y'all like me anyway. So who's your favorite? Oh, Pooh. Of course. Like, uh, like I'm sorry. Winnie the Pooh is just so chill. You know, it's almost like there's there's like THC in his honey or something. You know, it's it's like, oh yeah, this is great. The bees, the bees have made honey out of the. The chill pot plant over there. Because <laughs> he's just, like, he's, he just walks around, like, oh, bother. And, you know, like, even when he's, like, in peril, he's just like, I'm just a little black rain cloud. <laughs> he doesn't care. Whatever he's doing. He's like, I'm going to get that, honey. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely uh, very food motivated. Um, and, yes, and, it's, and he looks in the mirror and goes, Oh, look, today I've gotten fat. I must do some exercises. And he tries, yeah, yeah, he tries to touch his toes, <laughs> bend over, touch his toes, and just, oh, my I God. I mean, he just can't help but, like, he's just, he's just chill, you know? And then the Kanga and Rue's like, I don't know where Mr. Uh, Kanga is, but, you know, you got a single mom there, and they're all like, hey, okay, single mom, we don't care, let's help her out. And yeah. Whatever, and then you have Christopher Robin, who's just like, I, I don't know what to do with any of you, because I'm going to grow up eventually, leave you behind, then Ewan McGregor will play me, and it'll be... And then you're going on a killing spree. Yeah, it'll be kind of awkward. Speaking of which, I mean, this speaks to the whole zeitgeist of it, where back in the early days of the internet, there was a... Someone had written a short story, it was almost like Stephen King had written Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. And it was this whole thing about it was called Winnie the Pooh goes ape, and he kills everybody in the Hundred Acre Woods. He gets into some cocaine or something. I don't know what cocaine it is. bear. Cocaine bear. Oh my oh. god. Oh my god. Wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be funny to see like a meme with Winnie the Pooh with coke on his nose? Oh, I'm sure it's out there. Cocaine already. bear. That would be hilarious. That makes a lot of sense now, though. The THC and Winnie the Pooh. Because <laughs> we want to be chill, just like Winnie the Pooh. But we can't, so we have to, like, smoke weed or something to be that chill. <laughs> a whole generation raised on Winnie the Pooh. My life makes sense now. I know. It's like, here's a character that's depressed. Here's a character that isn't depressed. We're all depressed. <laughs> we all don't just do whatever we want to do. And now we just want to be. I, I want to be more like Winnie the Pooh. I really do. Because uh, I'm I'm probably more like Eeyore. We're probably all more like Eeyore. But I want to be more like Winnie the Pooh. I just want to sit there and and like you know get a smackerling of honey and, uh, and all you do is eat. Oh my god! And have my hyper friend sense. worry about heffalumps and. Well, there's the thing. There's that internet fan theory, right? That like all of the animals are just different aspects of Christopher Robin's. Psyche or personality. Yeah. So Christopher Robin needs Ridlin because, like, yes, Tigger, like, clearly, I mean, that is a hyper ADHD written uh, somewhere on the spectrum character. I mean, that that guy is just he he is the op the complete I mean, opposite of Eeyore. That's a whole thing that we could get into sometime. Is you know the what each character represents like for mental illness yeah because like there's ocd there's anxiety there's depression there's the adhd and like that's partly why a lot of people look at it and i'm sure it's used like winnie the pooh is used for kids to describe their feelings but now it the movie inside out is used for that same thing Mm -hmm. but that's ooh. but you know the the wonderful thing about tiggers is that tiggers a wonderful thing I thought the wonderful thing about Tiggers is that Tiggers need Ritalin, too. No, the wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers is a wonderful thing. Because their tops the are made out of rubber, rubber and, and the bottoms are made out of spring. spring. <laughs> bouncy, 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 bouncy. And the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is, I'm the only one! <laughs> wow. <laughs> there can be only one, apparently. <laughs> well, there's only one of each of them. That's, that's true. That's the interesting thing, right? The, the Hundred Acre Wood is a... Uh, it's, it's a, a track. You you got to go through some. Like, you got to go through like the the Mordor and the, the Mount Doom to get to the Hundred Acre Woods. Mordor's on Ontario, yeah. uh, <laughs> but like it's a very sparsely populated place as well, like Northern Ontario. <laughs> but I I think it's great though that when they did 
they're just like, okay, we're going to do a live action movie. It's like, I like the fact that they took that and said, we're not going to go and do the cartoons. We're going to revisit Christopher Robin as an adult. Yeah. Who, because how many of us have forgotten those childhood things or put childish things away, right? Especially because they just did to- Toy Story 3, was it? Where mm-hmm. he had to give all of his toys four, away? Four. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Sorry, whichever Toy Story it is. So he had to give all the toys away and then they come out with that and yeah. My childhood's sad. Well, <laughs> oh, slide in the chill honey juice over to <laughs> chill honey juice. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like we were talking about how it, in the early days of the internet, there was that, uh, yeah, that story, short story somebody wrote that was like Stephen King. Uh, Winnie the Pooh goes ape crap and basically kills everybody in the Hundred Acre Woods with glee, I might add. Uh, but it's not the only horror sort of iteration of Winnie the Pooh recently. But was it this year? I it think was it earlier came this out? year. Earlier back this, back year. Winter of this year. Blood and Honey came out. Winnie Blood the Pooh, and Blood and Honey. And Nick, you had a special interview. I did. Before before we talk about the interview, I'm just going to talk about the movie a little bit first. So, yeah, the whole idea behind Blood and Honey is Christopher Robin has grown up and he's left the Hundred Acre Woods and Winnie the Pooh and Tigger too. Well, actually, Tigger's never mentioned in this movie, but anyway. Winnie the Pooh, Piglet. He is, though. Is he? Because in the scene with the in the cave... Where so the Winnie the Pooh creatures are kind of like supernatural creatures that Christopher Robin has been keeping at bay. Yeah, and then that makes so much sense. When now. he goes off to college, they're like, "Oh, he's not bringing us food anymore. We're not like we have to go out and find our own." And they're all mentioned because they're all in that drawing. Mm-hmm. And then Eeyore is finally mentioned. Eeyore gets eaten. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> I, the movie's a year old. Um, it doesn't matter if you haven't seen it; it's still a spoiler. I haven't seen it. So it, it's it's an interesting film because on the outside it looks like it's played straight, right? Mm-hmm. But the 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 humor in it, the the weirdness of it comes in the pure absurdity that it is it's Pooh and Piglet committing these atrocities and right. Pooh is brutal in this film. As br- he would be. The brutality in his kills is would give Jason a run for his money. Oh, yeah. Like, when, when dude does not get his chill honey juice, of course he's going to go crazy. Exactly. There's some creative kills in that movie. Okay, well, i got to see this. You do. It's, it's good. Yeah, you do. Go in thinking that you're just going in for a fun movie. Yeah, of and course. And then, yep. Yeah. That's the only way to approach any movie except um, Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you... you <laughs> no. <laughs> Too soon. Qu- quick sidebar. Um, Fullman Productions is doing a Barbenheimer movie. So that's a thing. <laughs> um, anyway. So yeah, as you mentioned, uh, special interview. I had the chance and the absolute pleasure of talking to Andrew Scott Bell, the multi-award winning composer of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Cool. And I got to talk to him about how we put the, the, the score together, his kind of his inspiration from it. Um, he had a lot of really great things to say about it. not just the, the uh, putting the, the, the score together on a technical aspect, but this, the, the creativity that went into it and how it really, and believe me, like when you sit down and listen to the score, it is a really good score and it really does fit this absurd but still kind of hinging on realistic world of winnie the pooh blood and honey all right well let's give that interview a listen all right we have the man behind the music of winnie the pooh blood and honey mr andrew scott bell thank you so much for joining us mr bell welcome to area 51 and a half and welcome to the landing pad it is my pleasure thanks for having me thank you so much um so uh, before we got before we went on the air here, I did mention I rewatched the film last night uh, just to get a better feel for the the score. And man, it, it is a it's a killer score. 
It really is. <laughs> Thank it you. Works, I guess worked, pun intended, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it works so well for the movie. Very intense. And it had some elements that were, I kind of felt like it was, uh, you were taking a score for a children's movie and twisting it. Yeah. Really twisting it. Because there's like those playful little uh, piano bits and chords and whatnot. And then yeah. it just goes right into dun dun, like the the really heavy stuff. And I, I thought that was so amazing. Yeah, thank you. That we we kind of talked about that. Like, um, first of all, staying far away from anything Disney related. So yeah, we, you know, we just kind of Reese and I, the director and I, just kind of talked a little bit about like, what if we were, what if we were making our, you know, for the opening animation specifically, like, what if we were making our own Winnie the Pooh story what kind of musical what kind of fan fantasy elements would we write and um we came up with this you know this motif that um is a little bit like i don't know if you've ever heard this but there's this theory that john williams sings his the new movie titles and stuff about the movies when he's writing the themes it's never been confirmed and i don't think it's necessarily true but it's sound it's fun to me you know like Star Wars, these are the Star Wars. Or da 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 Superman. Like that uh, Superman yeah. theme sounds like the 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 way that somebody would pronounce the syllables Superman. Yeah. Superman. Da 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 da. Um so I've always wanted to do that and we kind of did that a little bit with Winnie the Pooh. We did a Winnie the Pooh. Here it is right here. Oh no. Here he is right here. I lied to you twice. <laughs> it's coming right here. Right here. So I had a lot of fun with that and then it just twisting it in like darker scenes like um you know in low choir for example with low low strings um but you know it still always is Winnie the Pooh uh yeah. horror movie so there's still going to be a little bit of uh, playfulness in the music and this kind of fantasy element to you know what's going on until until more is revealed and I, we just had a delight we had a lot of fun kind of um, you know obviously playing to the horror of the film it's like you said it's a big gore fest yeah um, and that's super fun we these big huge orchestral hits and stuff like that uh, but but not forgetting that this is like uh in a really messed up way a relationship between christopher and Pooh. yeah even though we don't get to explore that as much in this one we're definitely diving more into that in the sequel so well and, and that that's kind of the thing and that, that's why it fits so well with your score because there is that conflict between childhood and the trauma of adulthood and that's that's where your the more fantastical part of your score kind of mars with the more horrifying part of your score it's right. it's it really interesting i really really love that kind of thing um thank you thank you one, one of the one of the bits that really made me go oh wow was the uh was the the blood christopher robin's blood shower scene with the chanting that your music oh, was doing yeah yeah thank you let me find that um that is called that one is on the soundtrack called silly old bear i think you're kidding you're talking me. about <laughs> I get so many questions about what the words are because people hear the funniest things. They hear like, um, you know, they they hear they hear such strange words, mostly in English. But the um, one of the first ideas that Reese and I had together, where we were just talking, is you know, we we're talking about because what we we're what I think our goal was for this movie and the next movie and just like 
the sense of humor that that Reese has is like less less about jokes and more about like the ridiculousness of the situation like yeah. isn't it hysterical that like we're treating Winnie the Pooh as if he's Jason Voorhees you know or Michael Myers and that alone is funny to him and so we're we were always trying to find ways to like use the use how we are taking it seriously as a tool for humor and I think a lot of people confuse that as like we were making a serious movie, but we were actually making, it seemed obvious to me and everyone working on it that we were making a serious play at the subject matter in an attempt to be funny through that seriousness. Yeah. And there's nothing more serious to me in a film score than when like a giant choir is like chanting Latin uh, you think about the end of like Phantom Menace, Star Wars Phantom exactly, Menace. Exactly, yeah. That, that's what like, first popped into my mind, yeah. So it's so epic. It's so huge. It's so serious. It's like, it's. I think it's not Latin. I think they're singing Sanskrit, but it's still just, you know, or The Omen by Jerry, the film composer Jerry Goldsmith um, singing Latin for that yeah. iconic film. And uh, we thought it would just be hysterical if we, had a choir singing in Latin like that, like this holy, big, massive sound. But then when you translate the Latin, it's just the words blood and honey. So that's uh. what you hear in, in this soundtrack. I think we're, we might, if we go the choir direction, we might take it further and translate different sentences um, and more complex things than just blood and honey. But in, throughout this first score, what you hear is sanguis et mel which sanguis is blood yeah. et, and then mel is is honey sanguis et mel and that's actually me singing um, oh. like 24 different times because we didn't have the you know the first thing that i that reese said to me when i said uh i'd love to have a choir doing this it would not be hysterical he said that'd be funny but it sounds expensive and i said oh i'll just I'll just do it myself. So it's me. Um, uh, every time you hear a choir in this in this movie, it's it's me singing and layering myself, making different, slightly different voice versions of my voice so that they sound like other people, and then layering them together like twenty four times to make this male, you know, this kind of almost Russian men's choir. You know, that's amazing. Uh, I didn't I didn't even pick up on that. That is really cool that you did that really cool that you Thank could you. do that um now winnie the pooh winnie the pooh blood and honey is it it is a unique property it's a unique idea um how did you get involved in the production were you friends with the director like what how did you wind up involved yeah that's a great question thank you i i've just a little preface before i go in like i live in los angeles and everybody else lives in the uk um and in los angeles the you know there's a phrase that says like hollywood is the biggest small town in america and that just means that like everybody eventually knows somebody who knows somebody and everybody's right. connected and you know the, your reputation is your most important thing and that kind of, it kind of gets that across but i like to say that like you know hollywood is the biggest small town in america and the horror industry is like the biker bar on the outskirts of town. So it's like even smaller and even more intimate and we're all like misfits and pals. And and so uh, in that biker bar, in that horror community here in Los Angeles, I started to hear whispers about like, did you hear about this Winnie the Pooh horror movie? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that sound, isn't that? And I just thought that sounded so fun uh, and so bombastic and so off the wall that it would be a blast to work on. So I looked up, uh, the film on IMDb. This is like the day that it was starting to trend or something on Twitter, like maybe May, I think, or something. Yeah. Uh, May of last last year, 2022. Yeah. And so I looked up on IMDb and I found the director and I found Reese on Instagram where because it was like just starting to go viral, he was getting like the nastiest. He was getting all trolls and anger, not yet support, right? So I, people... I remember. I remember when the news of this movie came out and people were angry over it. Oh, well, they're yeah. still angry. Yeah, it's it's awful. I mean, he he. We've I I much less than most. I think I've gotten a few, but Reese gets 
several death threats like constantly oh, you know, that's every disgusting. week or every month it's, it's terrible um but he he's the type of person who kind of like laughs it off yeah um, well that's good yeah yeah he, he has to i think but he was getting these comments on his post about it i think that was like you're ruining my childhood and how dare you do this to a character that's ruining my childhood and and he just kind of was screenshotting the comments and adding them to his Instagram story <laughs> and, and saying, um, and there's one thing he said, like he like wrote the text, like uh, that's what I'm trying to do is ruin all 7 billion children's uh, childhoods or whatever, you know, something like that. That's my goal is to ruin every childhood in, in the world or whatever. And I thought that was so funny. So I responded to, you know, you can reply to Instagram stories. I replied to his story and I said, can I help you with that? And with a, like a violin emoji or something. And he thought that was funny. Um, but then much later I found out that, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks later or whatever, I, uh, it might've even been the next week or something, the next couple of days, my, a friend of mine, who I know from LA because he bounces back between London and Los Angeles messaged me on Instagram and he said, Hey, are you, you going to do the Winnie the Pooh? And I was like, how, wait, how did you, you know, what, how did you know? And uh, it was Vince Knight, the, the cinematographer, he was saying, well, I worked on, I filmed that movie. So I know Reese. So uh, apparently he also put in a good word for me with Reese, but I didn't know that Vince had worked on it. I, you know, he wasn't listed on the IMDb yet at that point. It was just like the Reese and Scott names and stuff like that. But that's how I came involved. Um, a little bit of like a bold, you know, reach out, just kind of blind sending of humorous, not like, hey, will you hire me? But like a funny way to say like, let me help you ruin childhoods. And then um, a word of, of like, you know, thumbs up from Vince, I think went a long way to Reese to say, all right, I trust, I trust Vince that this is the guy. So. And you know, there's an important lesson there to, to take a chance and reach out to someone. Cause you never know, you might wind up interviewing them on a podcast at some point. Right. <laughs> I, I, absolutely. That of course was just a little bit of the interview. The rest of it can be seen on our YouTube channel. You can find us again, area 51 and a half on YouTube. Again, great interview was a pleasure to talk to him and thank you again andrew scott bell for being on the show nick thank you for that great interview with andrew scott bell um aliens time has flown here it has really just flown by for this episode of winnie the pooh at uh, area 51 and a half before we wrap things up though we have to wish our co-host and producer snyderman 501 a happy birthday it was his birthday on Thursday. Uh, he's getting old. Yeah. 39. Ugh. Ha! Ugh. Ah, fetus. Fetus. Talk to me when you're over 50. Trust me. It's, it's listen, it, it's, it, everyone always complains about their age. It only gets worse. Oh, thanks for that. No, I, I remember I remember Betty White, the, the great Betty White. She was on the Jay Leno show, right? And Kiefer Sutherland was was on. And uh, I think at that time, Kiefer Sutherland was in his 40s. And, of course, Jay Leno was in his 60s. And, of course, Betty White was uh, older than dirt. <laughs> and, and so they were complaining about things. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland was complaining about aches and pains or whatever being in his 40s. And Jay Leno one ups him and sits there and goes uh he says oh yeah wait wait till you're in your 60s like i am and he's complaining about being in his 60s well then betty white comes out right and mm -hmm. she you know how betty white had that sweet sarcastic way of of it and she goes she turns she goes oh Kiefer, are you 40 you're in your fall oh, poor key you're in your 40s and jay you're 60 you're old. <laughs> that's she was just she leveled them. Having said that, that is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a half. Nick, happy birthday to you. Thank and you. remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social uh, You can find us on our social medias. Uh, you can find us on TikTok, X, Threads, and Instagram at the Area 51H. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Definitely check out YouTube for the full interview with Andrew Scott Bell. 
You can search for us for using Area 51 and a half. And of course, Patreon. All right, aliens, this is... Ren, a.k.a. Pyre Lily. And... Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And Spooky Uncle John signing off from Area 51 and a half. Chill honey juice, THC infused honey. It doesn't get any chillier than that. <laughs> For all your aches and pains and inflammation. And if you just want to forget about the world, period. Oh my god.